Alright, 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 alright. Welcome back to the Excuse Me Brother podcast show. I'm your host, Brother Jay. And tonight, it's a solo episode, y'all. It's a solo episode. Okay, it's just me tonight. It's only me for the next 45 minutes, an hour. Fortunately, Brother Jay, uh, Producer Jay, I should say, and Brother Tay are not here. They are both unavailable, so it's all me tonight to keep the show going. Uh, this is a very rare occasion for us. Uh, we normally don't do solo episodes, but this time it's it's necessary because neither one of them were available. So it's on me to keep everything going. Um, I think this is only the fourth solo episode that we've done out of about approximately 80 episodes. I know I've done one before where uh, I went over the Kyrie Irving situation. Um brother Tay did one where he went over personal boundaries in relationships and friendships and jobs and of that things of that nature and then producer Jay did one where he spoke of you know some of the entertainment that had been released his reviews on certain entertainment projects that had come out within the past year I think he did one about uh, what was it what was that show the last of us i think he did one about uh loki and uh i think yeah he just reviewed certain of the the recent projects that he was watching some of the games that he was playing some of those things but yeah this is a solo episode tonight so uh we try to keep it uh i'm trying to keep it simple for y'all i'm gonna try to you know do my best because usually you know we try to keep it uh, at having at least two hosts. Like last week's episode was Brother Tay and Brother Producer Jay. And the previous week, um, it was Producer Jay and myself. You know, we try to keep it at least two. And that's one of the reasons we pro- we hired Producer Jay. Because, you know, if one of us is not available, you still have a decent, uh, you still have a good rotation or a good combination of hosts. Then we can still put out a good show, right? Producer Jay and I have done shows together where Brother Tay was not there. And then Producer Jay and then Brother Tay have done shows with themselves that uh, they've released. Remember last summer they did uh, a whole a whole thing by themselves. They, they, they ran the summer while I was on a quote sabbatical. <laughs> Let's call it that a sabbatical. Um, But yeah, we always try to keep it at least two, but in the rare occasions where, you know, more than one person is not available, this is where the solo episodes will come in. So that way we can still push that content for y'all. Okay. Um, so what am I getting into tonight? It's Monday. It's uh Monday night football is on. It's football season. Fall is coming through. Summer is over. Thank God. I hate the summer. And, uh, you know, these new seasons present new challenges for people. And as the seasons change, people's moods change. People uh, fall into, you know, seasonal depression and things of that nature where it's not the same for them. It's not, you know, people. I don't know why. I, I genuinely don't know why. Well, I know why, but I don't understand why people love the summer because they like being outside. The weather's nice and. They get to be that the days are longer, so it's not as uh, not as dark and gloomy like, you know, during the winter months. <clears throat> uh, you know, and during the winter months, the sun is down by like four o'clock, and you know the nights are cold. The weather's terrible, especially if you live up here in New York. But for me, the summer's just too hot. I I hate and stand it. And in the summer. You know, during the summer, thing people just don't know how to act. You know, people just don't know how to act during the summers. You know, the crime rate goes up during the summers. I don't know if people notice that. I think J Cole, <laughs> J Cole made a, a a bar about that one of his songs. He was like, "Uh, I get higher than something crime rate in the summertime." No, he said, "My mind state is like the crime in the summertime. 
higher than average because a lot of cabbage. Yes, the crime rate in the summertime is just through the roof and it's ridiculous. I can't stand it. Fall is my season. OK, that crisp, cool weather. You know, we we call it sweater weather. You know, give me give, give me give me a, a, a Thursday or a Friday with 55, 60 degrees overcast. You know what I'm saying? Maybe 10 mile per hour wind chill. Uh, You know, you don't know if that'll be overcast, but overcast is nice. We're in the, in the fall leaves and the orange and brown and yellow leaves are overtaking the earth. And it's just, oh, it's just a beautiful sight. To me, it's the, it's, you know, they say that Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year. That's bullshit. I don't, I don't believe any of that. All right. First of all, I don't even celebrate Christmas, but they say that because the earth is dead. And a lot of this time there's, um, you know, the lights and, you know, Christmas lights and the joys festival occasions. That's where people, you know, it, it's, it's alluring to the eyes. You know, it looks it the, the bright lights and the, the festivities, it gets people going. But to me, the fall is the most wonderful time of the year because it's like the fall to me is like, uh, hmm, I would say it's like the evening time. And it's, and I think it's, it, it's, it's synonymous with each other. The fall and the evening time where the sun is going down, you know, the day is coming to a, a close and, you know, people coming home from work and, you know, having dinner with their families and those things of that nature. To me, those two things are synonymous with each other. And to me, that's what makes it the most wonderful time of the year. Cause it's like, you know, you, you know, when you come home from work and you get to take off all your, you know, everything from the day, you know, if you, if you take a bag to work, you get to drop everything, you know, you get that awesome, finally whole feeling, right? To me, that's what ball is like. It's like the earth is like, oh, honey, I'm home. You know, finally, I'm home. I get to relax. You know, I get to kick back and kick my feet up and watch a Monday night football game. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that it, it, it has like a 7 p.m., 8 p.m. feeling. You know, oof. It has a 7 p.m., 8 p.m. feeling in the fall. And to me, that's enjoying. That's enjoyable. You know, the weather is just right. But that's actually not what I wanted to get into tonight. That's actually, I just went off on a tangent real fast. Uh, you know, I hope y'all don't mind. Because I can like I said, I cannot stand the summer. I look forward to the summer. I mean, the fall every year. In fact, if we could skip summer, I would gladly appreciate it. But anyway. You know, I, I bring up the seasons because, like I said, different seasons bring different challenges for people. And, you know, these these challenges help navigate you through life and through your experiences, what you're going to go through, help you prepare for what's to come in your life. And I have to admit that there have been a lot of times where, you know, this seasons have been challenging, particularly for me, because, um, you know, it's mostly been professional challenges. And a lot of times these professional challenges wind up um, influencing my the way that I navigate the rest of my life. You know, and I don't like when certain uh, certain aspects of my life cross over. I don't like it when certain parts of my my reality starts blending together to the point where I can't like where I lose control or I lose certain parts of my grip on that part of my life and my per, my professional life has been a little challenging recently a little challenging um but the beauty in it all is that I get to take it all in stride and it's just going to help me navigate through the rest of my life, especially my professional life. Um, but the beautiful thing about our professional challenges is that as especially as millennials, is that there's so many more options than before 
that we don't have to take abuse. Like we, as, as millennials, we are more than willing to change our career paths. If things, if, if what I'm experiencing right now at work is not, is not sufficient. If it doesn't, if it doesn't suffice, then, you know, we will do whatever we have to do to make necessary changes. And I like that about being a millennial. It is very few things I do like about being a millennial. But one of the things that I do appreciate about the millennial age is that we, um, we do not sit still and stand and just, we will not stay at a job if we feel disrespected, if we feel ostracized, if we feel that we're not getting what we came here for, we will be up and out. We will leave. Okay. We will quit the, to, to quit a job, especially during this time of COVID and everything. Oh no, we are out. We will leave expeditiously. And I think that's a, I think that's a good thing for us. And I like it because, um, you know, the, the, the generations before us, they will be willing to stay at a job that was abusing them. And I'm just like, why would y'all do that? And it was because, there, you know, there weren't that many opportunities back then as there are now. You know, these new industries pop up every day, especially with the um, the increase in the use of technology. There are people, you know, there's going to have to be people that make these things. Now, AI would probably have a say in that. But, you know, there are more opportunities now than there were 50, 60 years ago. And, you know, we're more than willing to to pivot and change careers if necessary. Now, that's not to say that I've been looking to change my career, but it's always an option. It is always an option for me. Listen, I have a college degree. I don't have to stay in one spot if I don't feel uh, if I don't feel that I have to. You know, there are plenty of other people there. In fact, there are plenty of people on my job who have stayed longer than necessary because of the of the money situation, because of whatever reason they stayed with for the they stayed through the abuse. They stayed through the contract negotiations. They've stayed through everything. You know, there are guys who have done multiple years of service. There's been guys who have been who've stayed through injuries. There are guys who have stayed through all kinds of things. And it's just like, why? Why would you do that? Let me tell you about a couple a story of mine that you know that I you know I something I experienced I want to say about mm, some time ago I don't want to date it that made me really start to think differently about the way that my job or my career uh the way that we do things um so for those who don't know I'm no longer a supervisor at the New York City Transit Authority, right? And I won't, I don't want to get into the details of why that is, but those who are in the know, they know, you know, if you, if you, if you know me outside of this podcast, if you know me in my personal life, you'll know, you know what happened, why I'm no longer a supervisor. I don't want to get into it because it's still a, an experience that I'm still dealing with. And especially since um, there is a small chance that I can return to being a supervisor that I just don't want to get into it. But let me just run y'all like a few quick pointers about why, like the way the transit authority does things. So at the worker level, um, there is a format where we essentially pick where we want to work based off of seniority right um we like the 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 majority of the transit workforce is through civil service right the your train operators your bus drivers your station agents your 
uh, track workers, signal maintainers, um, you know, station cleaners and the like. If you see them, you know, face to face every day, more than likely they are a civil service employee and they we make up the majority of the workforce. And when we report to work, so to speak, it is because we picked that location to work, right? Now, different departments do it in different formats. Um, they do it through different uh, means. So and it's, it, it can it has different parameters. So like, for example, a train operator. No, I'll, I will use train operators, a station agent, right? Which we will call a token booth clerk. They're they pick more. Their picks are more deliberate, right? So they'll pick a location. They'll pick a tour of duty. They'll pick their days off and they pick their vacation weeks all in one, like all separately. Right. For us in the track department, it's all in one. The location, the days off, the tour of duty is all inclusive. OK, so if you're picking a, a location to work at, you will be picking that location. You'll be staying there for the, for the time of the pick. Right. Unless you bid out. Right. And of course, it's all based on seniority. So the guys who've been on the job longer, they get to pick first. Right. Um, Of course, you gain seniority through time served, through your service record, you know, and like. Um, So but there are certain times when you get to take a pre pick position. Um, and this is one of those situations where I will take, I'm going to go into this a little bit, um, before our general picks, right? We, um, before our general picks, there's an opportunity to bid for pre-pick positions, which is, you know, you have to go through an interview process. And if that's the case, you won't pick, you'll just go into that new location where, um, go into that new location when the changeover occurs after the general pick has been completed. Now, when I came back from being a supervisor, I went back into the title of being a track inspector. Anybody who knows me knows what a track inspector is. If you don't know, a track inspector is an individual. It's a specialist position um, that's kind of different from just a normal or regular track worker. <clears throat> where um you have to you are assigned a certain section of track on the line and you have to uh physically walk the track from station to station inspect it and you have to find the non-conformities on the roadbed so if the rails are messed up the, the the gauge of the track is messed up if there are you know defective fasteners you know you walk on the track you find these things and you report it on a you know on a form that is handed to supervision that's how they schedule the maintenance work okay so if you ever on the track or if you're riding the train and you see men or you know you see a, a you see workers on the subway tracks doing work it's because we you know we schedule that maintenance work via the track inspector Supervisors do it sometimes too. Um, they'll do an inspection every now and then. Um, but what I did was this time I wanted to become one of the video car inspectors. And during this, uh, the video car inspector is see transit has these special trains that, <clears throat> that run in certain areas of the mainline tracks that will, that has a video on it like a literal a, a camera that takes a video feed or records video of the of the tracks and sometimes they'll pick up defects too okay they'll pick up um non-conformities they'll pick up rail defects surfacing defects they'll take gauge measurements alignment measurements um elevation to make sure that the track is safe for trains to run on that's that's the ultimate point of it all to ensure that the the tracks are safe for revenue service, for passenger service. If we have, you know, a defective track, we can't run a train on it. Okay. 
And, you know, a lot of people get pissed off because they think that, you know, we're just doing this just because. No, we do this because, you know, the infrastructure of the New York City transit, uh, the subway is over 120 years old. Well, it's almost 120 years old, I should say. Okay, the MTA was formed in 1904 when it was the separate, the three separate railroad companies. All right. And, you know, this infrastructure is old and it's in disrepair. So it takes work to maintain, especially since we run service literally 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Okay. It's going to fall into disrepair. So it, but it, it's, it, it falls on us as, you know, the track workers and, supervisors who you know who guide us and who supervise us it falls on us to keep this the subway in good standing according to the fra okay because if not if something happens guess what we can literally go to prison for this if there is a same unfortunately there's a derailment where it causes passenger injury we can literally serve jail time for this okay these inspection forms that we sign and report to supervision, they are federal documents that can be used against us in case if, if something were to happen. It's happened before. It happens. It, I won't say it happens a lot, but when certain things happen, you know, there has to be an accountability. So, you know, the, the video car is made to supplement the physical track inspector, okay, to pick up on things that they either cannot see or things that they are unable to identify because it has more tools at its disposal. Okay. It has like, I think it has ultrasonic train uh, sounds on sound waves on it. It can, you know, it can literally take, uh, receive like, so kind of like sonar, so to speak, or, you know, they'll send sound waves through the track and then the, the sound that comes back, it can create, you know, a reading that allows us to determine, okay, we have an issue in this particular spot right here. Right. So I actually applied for one of these positions because I had been a track inspector for a while. Um, to be a track inspector, you need to undergo specialized training to be certified to do it. Okay. Because it's not like you can just come off the track and be a track inspector. You can't even just come off the street and be a track inspector. No, you have to receive training for this. It's, it's a, it's a big deal. Okay. It's a lot of responsibility. It's a lot of, um, it's a lot of work and some sections are longer than others. Like you could have a section that's on the two line from, let's say, uh, Times Square down to like Chamber Street. Or that's just, that's just an example, you know what I mean? Or Times Square down to 14th or whatever it is. So it's a lot of work and it's a lot of, uh, so it, it, a lot goes into it. So the video car inspector was something that I was really interested in because, you know, one, I, ha I have to do so many years of service. I have to do so many years of service and it can, it's, it's a lot on the body. Okay. This this work that we do on the track is is labor intensive. It can be is dangerous. Number one, okay. Of of all things, it's dangerous. We work a lot of times. We work under traffic, okay. Um, a lot of times we work we work with heavy machinery. We work with tools, power tools. Um, sometimes we work, and then of course, last but not least, we work next to the third rail. Now, all y'all who ride the train know. That the third rail is the rail that can it can kill you. It it carries electricity. Okay, I think it carries um 600 uh, DC volts. I could be wrong. I I gotta check the math on that. But either way, um, I applied for this position because uh it was gonna be it was essentially the same thing that I was doing physically walking the track. I said now now I'm gonna be doing I'm gonna be looking at video feed and. You know, it was going to be easy on the body because it was, you know, it was going to be an office job. Okay. I'll be looking at a computer and they'll be watching video feeds, picking up defects. I'm not going to be physically on the track. 
you know, then during embracing the elements, I walk with a wrench. Oh, when you when you're a track inspector, you walk with a a, a wrench, a, a giant wrench. It's like maybe three feet long. Okay, and it's encased in uh, rubber because it has to be insulated. Because, like I said before, we work next to we work next to and around the third rail, so we have to be protected. Um, so you have to carry a sledgehammer too, so that way you can make small repairs when you're on the track. And a lot of the times these sections, like I said before, they're very long. Um, it's in all kinds of tracks. Sometimes you're walking on the structure. Sometimes you'll be walking in a subway on concrete. Other times you'll be walking in ballast. Now, if ballast is uh, like those rocks that you'll see, sometimes you'll see the track is it has a bunch of rocks in it. I want to say like at the station, like the station that everybody knows. Um uh okay like prospect park in brooklyn on the b and the q i think it's on i think it's the b and the q at prospect park though that track has ballast or if you ride the n line in brooklyn where you know you see rocks everywhere that track is in ballast and a lot of times it can be it can be very damaging on the body it can be very hard on the body so i was going to do this because i wanted to you know says I gotta do all these all this time I was like you know let me let me uh take a not a break but let I gotta pace myself because there are guys who are on this job like I said before who have been here for 20 years 25 years and their bodies are broken and I mean broken like they are in some serious pain they've had injuries they've had surgeries they've had all these things happen to them and I'm like, eh, nah, not going to be me. You know what I mean? I will take care of myself as I navigate this journey through my career here with the Transit Authority. And I'm like, eh. You know, so I thought this would be a good opportunity for me. And especially, and especially because I'm like, you know, I, I want to just, I want to be able to understand different parts of the process of how this company does business when it, when it operates, you know, when it when it con tries to conduct maintenance in the subway, you know what I mean. Um. So, what I wanted to do was I wanted to, you know, take the position, and I actually had to interview for it. So, when I got to the interview, I knew the guy in charge, you know, one of the uh one of the main guys that were that are that are over the department i know one of them and one of my guys that i you know that i've worked with before he had definitely recommended me he was like look you know i think you should do it i think you'll be good at it um i think you know you'll probably get it too but you just got an interview for you well if you pass the interview you'll be fine i'm like okay cool you know i'll do it um so i i went to the interview right I did the interview maybe I, uh, I forgot when it was like I, said, I don't want to date myself um you know I got a haircut the day before um I showed up to work you know <laughs> in some slacks button-up tie vest and everybody's looking at me like where are you going I'm like oh I gotta go for my interview I'm like okay cool yeah you know you look nice good luck probably get it yada yada blah 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 um, the interview was down at one of our satellite offices in Brooklyn, right? So I left my current work location. I left there as soon as I signed in to work. You know what I mean? Because the interview was at like 930. And I know, yeah, we all know how the subway is. We know that, you know, delays are just part of the process. It's just what we, it's just what happens. We know. So. I left on time and I still made it late to the interview. I'm like, yo, you gotta be kidding me. So I take the five train. If I got to go into the city, I, I'll take the five before I take the two. I hate, I hate two line with a passion. I despise it. It's long. It's ghetto. It's disgusting. I, you know, I worked on the two line, um, the majority of my career, really. You know, I've worked on the seven, I've worked on the two, I've worked on the four, I've worked on the D. Um, 
but the two line has been like I said, the two line has been the majority of my career and it's my home line. I despise the two. I will choose to take the five any day of the week. This time the five train failed me. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. I, I took this train because it was quicker. You know, riding Lexington Avenue is uh riding Lexington Avenue is a lot um easier because it's a straight shot as opposed to going through the Lennox line and then the seventh Avenue line, there's more stops. So I'm just like, you know, let me take the five. I'll be good. And bro, the five train had delays going down by Wall Street. And I'm just like, so I emailed the guy. No, I called him first. I'm, I'm lying. I call him at Brooklyn Bridge. Like They stopped our train at Brooklyn Bridge and sent it back. Right. So I'm like, yo, what's going on here? Right. So I call him and I'm like, listen, I'm at Brooklyn Bridge right now. And I'll be there as soon as I can. He didn't answer me, so I left a voicemail. I got to the office in Brooklyn like at 9.35. And he emails me. And he's like, are you still coming for the interview? As I'm walking to the office where the interview is being held. So I pull up. You know, I'm like, listen, guys, I'm I'm sorry. You know, the train, the, the, the it was the delays, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so they, they knew what was up. They're like, you know, don't worry about it. You're good. The interview went pretty well. The interview went pretty decently. I thought I did. I, I aced it. They showed me pictures of certain parts of the track. They like identify the, the non-conformities here. I'm like, okay, I did that. They asked me, you know, certain situational questions. How would you do in this? What would you do in that situation? How's your experience here? You know, are you okay with being in the office majority of the day? I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? I'm good. I've worked in the office before. This ain't nothing. So I did that. And, you know, I thought I thought that I had the job immediately. I thought I was like, you know what? This this is this is good. You know what I mean? I'm gonna be I'm gonna be good. I'm gonna get this job. I'm gonna get this position. I'll be in Brooklyn most time, most almost every day. That was one that was the one drawback about the job that I didn't like was that you know, I gotta be in Brooklyn at six in the morning. Now, anybody who knows me knows I am not, I repeat, am not a morning person. I I mm -mm, I don't wanna be up at the crack of dawn working for nobody. You know what I mean? So you, you feel me? Like if I got to be up before the sun is up, I am not a happy person. No amount of coffee, no amount of food, no amount. No, it's not. No. Okay. I'm not a morning person working at six in the morning. I mean, working in working is ghetto to me, period. Like having to work, exchange my labor to receive compensation to me. The concept just does not, it, 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 it just does not compute, but working at the crack of dawn nah bro no no i mm. but to me the the positives outweighed all of that okay that's why i chose it because if i had if i had gotten the job i would have to be up four o'clock in the morning every weekday monday through friday and i'm just like I, I don't i'm not feeling that because sunday nights i like to chill you know what i'm saying i like to do things if i want to go out i can but at the same time, it's like, I got to be in bed at 8 p.m. on a Sunday night. Who wants to do that? Who, who who wants to do that? Like, no, nah, son. Nah, I'm not with that at all. So I'm waiting for the, the interview results. And what happened was he, he's, he sends me the email saying, you know, we thank you for you know, interviewing with us, we thought you did really well. But unfortunately, we had to go with another candidate. If you and, and this is what really got me right. And this is where I I, I want to give this man his due diligence, but I don't I also don't want to out him. Um, What he said was, if you want, we can give you you can ask specific questions about your feedback, you know, if you want to know, you know, what exactly why we chose to go with another candidate and what what does the how we came to our ultimate decision, you can ask. 
And the reason why that, that struck with me is because usually that doesn't happen. You know, there have been plenty of times where, you know, and it, it, some of y'all can attest to this, where you've applied for a job, you got the interview, and then they chose to go with somebody else and they didn't tell you why. And that stuff is, is, is actually type dis discouraging. It's like, why? well, what was the reason? Why did, did I not interview well? Did I not? Uh, the, my answer is wrong. Is it not what you were looking for? Is it because I, I had coffee stains on my shirt? Like, what's going on? Why did, why did you not choose me? But this man actually gave me the opportunity to, to ask, okay, what happened? And he said, well, we thought that you were great. Like, you answered every question that in a satisfactory manner. You identified all the defects in the pictures that we gave you. And, you know, you were generally nice, great to talk to. We thought you did well. Thing, the reason why we went with this other guy is because he has full rate experience both days and nights. Now, what I mean by full rate experience there, when it comes to being a track inspector, you can be the full rate track inspector, meaning you do the job full time or you're the dual rate track inspector, which means you are qualified to do the inspection, but there are times when you're not doing the inspection, you'll be a regular track worker or you will flag for the track inspector, right? When that means that you'll be getting paid at two different rates, dual rate. That's, that's what it means by dual rate. You'll be paid two different rates. You'll be getting your regular pay as a, tra as a, as a regular track worker, depending on your seniority and where you are in the collective bargaining agreement, your wages will be applied as such but when you are performing the specialist job in this case track inspection which you are qualified for remember i said you had to do the um <clears throat> excuse me you had to do the training when you perform the track inspection in place of another of, of the full rate track inspector you will receive that specialist pay which is you know obviously a little bit higher than the regular track worker pay. The person that they chose, well, I, well the person that they chose was or has been a full rate track inspector, meaning he's actually been in that full rate title where he did the inspection every day. I was never a full rate track inspector. I've only been a dual rate track inspector. I've been a dual rate track inspector now three times. Okay. Two separate stints before on different lines this is my third time doing it and the man that they chose i know him i know him well and to be completely honest when he said that i was a little disappointed but when he said who they gave it to and the reason why they said that they gave it to him i was like okay you know what that is a fair fair and actually smart choice to make okay because that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to go with the more experienced and qualified individual instead of just choosing your boy. You know what I mean? So a lot of nepotism that goes on in these companies and a lot of nepotism that goes on in corporate America. And people are stuck wondering, OK, well, why didn't I get the position? It was because uh, we chose our boy. We chose our friend and we can't say that to you. You know what I mean? And it's like. In this situation, obviously that didn't happen. So I couldn't be mad. And then you know what? I'm not mad. I'm like, okay, well, it is what it is. And like I said, I know the guy. He's actually very good at the job. I, in fact, I helped train him. Okay. I, in fact, it's, it's, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a quick story. Like I said, before I used to work on the seven line. In fact, when I, um, when I first started, working for transit, I, I went to work on the seven line. I loved it over there. And if it wasn't so far, I would probably continue to work there. I love the people that I worked with. I love the supervision. Um, the location were pretty decent. The line itself is actually pretty good because they've, they've modernized the seven line in a way that makes it easy to do work. Um, and it's just overall, it's overall a, a good place to work. The Bronx is a little different. Okay. It's, 
It's not better. It's not worse. It's just different. You got to get used to the way things are done in certain places. Um, so when this individual came and started working with us, you know, um, I had already been on a job for like maybe seven, eight months. I don't, I, I can, I don't remember exactly how long. So I had my bearings already. I, I used to be afraid of heights. <clears throat> Working for transit has kind of cured that because I work, you know, on the elevated structure and we have some high stations that we've had to work on. It, it just is what it is. <clears throat> Excuse me. It just is what it is. So when a lot of guys come out of um, OJT, they have to gain their, their footing a little bit, so to speak, because, um, they're not used to being this high. They're not used to being up here like this. And he was one of these guys. Okay. He was one of them. And I remember when we first, his first day on the job, right? We were working by Willits Point by a city field. And he, <laughs> I was walking on the track to the job site. And we had to cross over. We had to cross the track. And he was like, yo, I'm scared. I'm like, what do you mean you're scared? He was like, bro, I'm I'm like literally scared to cross. So <laughs> I did what I had to. I, I, I was like, you know what? Come on. I literally just stuck my hand out. I was like, yo, come on. He was like, are you for real? I'm like, yes. This is only, this is, if it's going to help you get across the track, come on. I'm not afraid to, you know. I'm like, listen, if this is going to help you get across the track, then bro, come on, let's go. Let's do this. You know what I mean? And he stuck his hand out and he took my hand and I helped him literally walk across, you know, across the track. Because if you, if you, if you look between the wooden ties, this is there's space, obviously that, I mean, you can, you can, I've never seen it, but it is possible for you to fall into the street. It is, it is possible. If you're not careful and a lot of guys, they get scared because, you know, <laughs> they think they're going to fall into the street. They think that the gap is that big that they can fall into the street. And I'm just like, you know, it's, it's not, it's not impossible, but it's highly unlikely. I mean, you barely hear stories about workers falling into the street through the ties. It, 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 it's happened before, of course, but it barely happened. It rarely happens. Okay. So I literally had to walk him, help him cross the track by holding his hand. And I'm like, you know what? It happens. I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to belittle you. I'm not going to insult you. I'm not going to make fun of you because you were afraid to cross the track. We, we, it's happened to all of us. Okay. There's, there are some, uh, workers who've spent their entire careers working overnight in the subway because they're afraid of working on the structure. So I'm not, like I said, I'm not going to sit here and belittle you because there are guys, like I said, there are guys down who will rather work in the subway tunnels, breathing in all that steel dust, working around all that dust and, you know, asbestos and all that other stuff, messing up their quality of life because they're afraid of destruction. So it doesn't surprise me that this, that this, this young man got the job. It doesn't surprise, it doesn't madden me. It doesn't upset me. Like I said, I was disappointed because I didn't get it. I thought I did a good enough job and that I earned it, but they went with the more qualified candidate, which I cannot be upset with. And I'm just like, you know what? I just hold my L. I just, I, I just hold the L because I'm not, it, it won't make, it won't make me feel any better sitting around being upset. It won't make me feel better. Um, sitting around wondering, well, damn, why didn't they choose me? I thought I was good. I'm, I'm better than this dude. I'm, I'm not clearly. I was not the better candidate. I was not the, the wiser choice, you know, as good as I was, this is how it should be. Okay. But that won't stop me from making the next move. It won't stop me from, you know, trying to advance anywhere else. It's, it's still possible that I can probably do something else. And, and who knows what God had for me? Maybe there was something down there in Brooklyn that I wasn't supposed to see. Something that would have caused me to make a big mistake in my career. Something that would have 
uh, that I could that could have happened to me commuting to work. You know, it, it, it there's been a lot of there could be a lot of things, a lot of reasons why that I'm not thinking of in, you know, above a higher plane in the natural sense that, you know, this job just it escaped me. No, I don't think like that anymore. I think that, you know, everything is a, either a blessing or a lesson. The lesson for me is everything's not for you. OK, everything's not for my favor. And it doesn't have to be just because I want it and I think I should have it doesn't mean that I'm going to get it. But it won't, like I said, it won't stop me from trying again. It won't stop me from trying something different. It won't stop me from uh, from doing anything that I can to advance myself to make my, my professional life a little better. And I'm actually proud of myself because I didn't let this scenario spill over to everywhere else like I've done in the past. You know what I'm saying? Remember I said at the beginning that I don't like where I don't like it when certain parts of my life start to spill over into other. I, I'm, I'm pretty good at keeping things in their proper lane. Like essentially what I'm saying is I don't bring home work with me. I mean, I don't bring work to my house. Whatever happens at the job, I leave at the job. Ain't got nothing to do with what's going on over here at home. Ain't got nothing to do with what's going on in my, my ministry life. It ain't got nothing to do with none of that. So I don't let it spill over and vice versa. I don't let what's going on at home affect what's going on at work. And I don't let what's going on at, you know, at the church or whatever have you affect my my job or, or you know what I mean? So. It is what it is. Now, I'm pretty sure that the Lord will have something for, something different for me at that time when the time is right. And this is where I got to show a little gratitude where it's like, well, you missed out on this one. But if you missed, if you had gotten this one, it could prevent you from going somewhere else. What if you get there and you don't like it? Now you're locked in. You have to stay there. I don't know if I mentioned this, but it was a lock in title where I have to do three years. I can't go anywhere else. If I had gotten that job, I could not go anywhere else unless I got promoted, unless I got terminated. Unless I got, I went on medical leave or I, or I, I resigned from the position, so to speak. Now, what if I got there and I hated it? I, what if I hated the people I was working with? What if I, you know, hated the commute, which I knew I would have because ugh, commuting is ghetto, you know? And what if I got there and I got into a fight with somebody, you know what I mean? Now, downtown Brooklyn is crazy. You know what I'm saying? They did. There's some niggas down there. Is is downtown Brooklyn ain't all peaches and creams. It's it's some 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 ratchetness and ghettoness going on down there. Now, what if I got myself involved in any of that, trying to get to work, coming home from work? I mean, it could still happen either way. But it's like, why? You know, that's how I look at it. And I hope that you guys, you know, people who are listening, when you face these challenges in your professional lives, I hope that y'all see the silver lining is like, okay, instead of looking at the reasons why you didn't get it or why, you know, certain things are not going the way that you thought or the way that you wish they would start thinking about the reasons why it's going to work out for you in your favor, because it's like, you don't know what you're avoiding. You don't know what part of your life like maybe it just wasn't the right fit for you maybe it just wasn't the the best thing for your life right now maybe the lord has something different for you maybe it's just that simple it's like nah, no you know no i'm i i i wanted to go here but you know what i think god got something better in a better spot with better hours better pay you know better people to work for it's not going to be as damaging to your mental health. You know, you're not going to be under as much pressure. So that these are the things that, you know, when those doors close, nothing, they, listen, life is, life is full of hallways. Old. The house of life is always full. It's full of hallways and hallways have more than one door. 
Okay, these doors, it ain't just one door in the hallway. There's a bunch of different doors that lead to different rooms. Listen, go knock on one of those doors, see what they got. All right, this door closes. The bathroom's occupied. Okay, well, I'm gonna go to the other bathroom in the house if there is one. <laughs> or I'll just go sit in the living room for a while until whoever's in the bathroom comes out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, this this bedroom's taken? Okay, I'm gonna go sleep in the other bedroom. So I hope that you guys, you know, take my story, take my testimony and just, uh, you know, take it for what it was. I hope you hopefully you get something out of it. Um, I'm going to get on out of here, y'all. It's been a pleasure to have do this solo episode. And hopefully Brother Tame, Producer Jay will be back. But, you know, maybe we'll do more solo episodes in the future. You know, like I said, these are pretty rare occasions. But it was necessary to keep the show going. We're pushing out that content. So if you want to follow us, you know, you can reach us at these socials. Um, the Excuse Me Brother podcast. Uh, if you want to find us on Instagram. Uh, it's excuse underscore me underscore brother with an A. Because it's not racist. Because Tay made it. Um, if you're watching us on YouTube, then you already know what the YouTube is. If you want to follow us on TikTok, excuse me brother. Or the er because it is racist because jeremy made it and the facebook is excuse space me space brother because i made it so it, it, it apparently it's got to be racist because i made it okay and that hope you guys have a hope hope you enjoyed the show hope y'all had a good one um and we'll be back with more keep listening folks good night